The Trials of Apollo, The Hidden Oracle, Chapter 33. Parting is sorrow. Nothing about it is sweet. Don't step on my face. The trees were using their inside voices. Hi, I'm Ava. I'm Neve. And I'm Brayden. And this is Return to Camp Half-Blood, the English class that you always wanted. Where we analyze the Percy Jackson and Heroes of Olympus books through a new theme every week. Period. I couldn't possibly relate to one of these haikus more than this first one. I just, it really felt it in my bones. Don't step on my face. Don't step on my face. Don't step on my face. I've had a lot of people metaphorically step on my face in this past week and a half, and I'm tired of it. Don't do it. I agree. Yeah. Neve, Ava, how are we? I'm still standing, as Elton John says. Um, Stepping on her face. People, listen. I, (laughs) um, well, work lately has actually been um, not ideal. Um, It's like kind of the worst, like pretty much the whole staff agrees that this is like the worst, like, chunk of time we've had like in a long time and so we're all kind of hashtag suffering um but the it's like a summer like thing so it's split up into different sessions so we're like all right five days till then like this one ends the next one starts on sunday and it doesn't involve sleeping in a crappy dorm every night and policing High school is 24-7. So it's going to be awesome when I can get my morning coffee and sleep in my own bed. And oh my goodness. So it's going to be so lovely. But right now I'm hashtag surviving. Um, nine minutes till I turn 22 though. That's crazy. Yes! Yes! <laughs> it feels not real at all. Um, yeah. That's about it. I... Yes. Yeah, (laughs) I'm well and dandy. I uh, am working all the time, (laughs) but that was my update last week, so it's a little boring. Um, And I today was my one day off this entire week because I worked yesterday, and I will work every single day up until next Sunday. Let's go Uh, with that day off. What did I do? Get a root canal. <laughs> it was you got the two canal. I did get the two canal, and it was honestly like not painful at all. I don't know why all the media that we have seen has been like root canals hurt so bad. I'm sure when they didn't have like local anesthetic, it probably really hurt. But because it, it weird noises for sure. If anyone ever has to get a root canal when they're 21, like me. <laughs> Um, weird noises for definite. Um, it's like a screwdriver going into your tooth. Uh, but <laughs> otherwise it was fine. The guy who did it was so clearly like in a frat in college. He was like in his late thirties. He was so sweet. Love him. Really nice guy. First time meeting him. But like, he clearly was in a frat in college and that kind of made me a little like, oh my God, this is a frat guy who's definitely about to do my work now, but he did a good job. Um, and it was an experience. And then I went to yoga and that helped me calm down. And wow. I'm here. That's fine. How are you, Brayden? I am 
chilling, I guess. I am also working a lot. Um, but that's okay because we gotta work to pay rent because Neve and I just signed a lease. Yes, so, we did. That was exciting. Big news. Um legal promise to pay them money. But yeah. exciting. Exciting. It means I not that I'm working more than I have been because I'm already working yeah, as much as I could, but I'm certainly uh taking days off with even more discretion. Um but I did have I did they gave me two days off this week. Nice. Which was nice. I don't know if nice because I would have just I don't have much else to do besides work those days. But um but it was nice today I went and uh saw I went to a movie theater when I wasn't working and I saw Joyride, which was incredibly funny. Um so that that was a nice use of my day. Besides the rest of the day was running errands and uh going to the gym and basically the only other things I do when I'm not at work. But uh other than that, I've been watching Glamorous on Netflix. Um it's not like an award-winning show, but <laughs> it's fun and I'm really enjoying it. It really has a bit of that dynasty edge where it's like a little, it's like the dynasty version of succession, even though I think dynasty already is a little succession-y because it's business drama, but it's also family. You know, I'm getting off topic, sure. but I have been enjoying Glamorous. It's very queer. It's fun. A quick watch. I also, a really good movie that I watched this weekend was Nimona on Netflix, oh. which I highly recommend. Um, it's like a sci-fi fantasy, like it's medieval, but it's like high-tech medieval. Um, and it's about uh, a trans character and about gay characters. And it's like a kid's movie, but a, but focusing on queer storytelling um, in a cool, like high fantasy but sci-fi uh setting it was very fun it was very good it was very well made um not a lot of people are watching it which is kind of sad but it's very good and i highly recommend that you do i think if you like chrissy jackson that <laughs> that movie is right up your alley um yeah yeah now i want to watch it wow you should you really should and it's like a, a nice like hour and a half mm-hmm. always appreciate when a movie is the length that I grew up expecting movies to be. Mm-hmm. Actually, though. Guys, I have to jump back a topic and just talk about some of the terms in this lease because, you know, we read it very carefully to make sure we weren't, like, signing away a right or something. And some of the things are so funny. Like, clearly just, like, rules that, like, it happened so we have to write it down because you wouldn't think of this. Like, one of the terms was, like, Tenants will not live in an apartment other than the one that they signed for. And I was like, how would we get into it? <laughs> like, yeah, fucking obviously. How would we get into a different apartment? So clearly what was the, oh, the water like, swapped. The waterbed one really got me. That was no waterbeds in our apartment complex. Uh, Absolutely just, no fucking waterbeds. 
Which is just clearly because there was once a problem with a waterbed. <laughs> it's literally so uh, good. So that also, was devastating news. We can't get a waterbed when we... When were. was the last time people used waterbeds, though? Like, <laughs> the 70s. Like... <laughs> It is an old building. I will have to say, waterbeds fall in the quicksand category of something I expected to be more common in adult life. Yes, I so agree with that. Um, Also, when do you guys move in? (laughs) September 1st. That's when I'm going to... Oh my god, that's crazy. Incredible. Look at us. Adults. Moving to cities, being adults. Well, not coming back. Don't, Don't get it twisted. That's true. <laughs> I can't and, be far from my little East Coast for that long. And with the talk of us being adults, let's talk about these the children's books. Uh, <laughs> welcome back <laughs> to Return to Camp Half-Blood. Uh, this week, we'll be discussing The Trials of Apollo, The Hidden Oracle, chapters 33 through 36. We're almost done with this first book, which is crazy because it feels like we were just on Heroes of Olympus. And now I'm fully way more committed to this book series than I was to Heroes of Olympus. I love this. Neve. I believe. Oh my God, wait. It is your turn to summarize. Okay. Um, Okay. So uh, Apollo's looking for Meg and he finds Meg and Meg is overwhelmed with peaches like screaming because they're both overwhelmed by the voices uh, of the trees in Dodona. And um, Meg is, Apollo convinces Meg to like put the wind chimes up so it helps. But then Meg runs off. I'm skipping a lot. But um, Meg runs off to go back to be with Nero, which Apollo was like, fuck. So he comes back out and warns all of the campers who have lived through the burning almost incident and is like, there's going to be a giant robot um, that attacks the camp. And then guess what? That happens. And the giant, they use the ants to fly to try and attack the giant robot and like taunt it. Your time is up. Fuck, Apollo's trying to curse an arrow, but he can't remember how. And then Percy shows up. (laughs) And then Percy shows up. I freaked. I only needed like two more sentences. Yeah, those were the broad strokes for sure. The ants also helped. The Mermikas came back. The ants were so funny. I said that. They flew in on the ants. Oh, that's true. The way that they called them. Brayden, I said that. <laughs> the way they called the mother ant mama, I was like, Mama Roo. It was like honestly really unsettling. <laughs> I I don't like her that she's mama. It's really scary. I love it. I think it's hilarious. I I just I still I will never be on board with these ants. I don't care if they're trying to save Camp Half Blood. Um, they. I was thinking most of the time as I listened to these chapters how they could never adapt this into live action in the genre that they need to. Because at a young adult aimed TV show, there's no way you design giant ants that aren't terrifying. I guess Ant-Man did it, but no, they did. They weren't great. As an outsider, <laughs> as an outsider to what was happening when I watched the recent ant movie, they were creepy. Recent ant movie. That's yeah. It, it was the most recent ant movie for sure. 
No, yeah, I agree. Even as a quote-unquote insider, they were a little freaky. Yeah, no, I, I certainly, I don't know if I'd call anyone an Ant-Man insider. I don't think anyone is particularly a... I don't think Ant-Man is an Ant-Man insider. I like Paul Rudd. Somebody's going to comment on our social media and be like, be like I actually love Ant-Man, you bitch. And I'm going to be yeah. like, more for you. No, listen, because they did really enjoy the last, the latest movie. Not because it was great, but it was because a lot of shapes and colors. It was very colorful for sure. Definitely. That is what I can say about Ant-Man yeah. Quantumania. It was... Colors. It was a time. Listen, I enjoyed myself. I wish I could have said the same. Yeah, I know. You were pretty vocal about it, too. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to get into the state of the MCU currently. Guys, it's 12.01. Oh, my God. It's Ava's birthday. (laughs) It's Ava's birthday. It's my birthday. (laughs) Happy birthday. Thanks, guys. You're a Taylor Swift year. True. I don't know about you, bitch. I hope the fucking. <laughs> I don't know about all you. I don't know about all y'all. But do you know what she's feeling? Tired. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What songs did we bring this week? Ooh, um, I chose "Don't Fear the Reaper" by Blue Oyster Cult because he got real close to dying, and that was like kind of Apollo's first. Like I think so far that has been his closest shave um yeah and i love that song i think it's so spooky oh i'm such a fan of don't fear the reaper me too driving in the rain at night listening to don't fear the reaper don't even i don't i don't know what it is but it it just that song hits it hits so hard it's in the same category as riders on the storm by the doors Hmm. Another good song. It's they're the same vibe. I just ugh. anyway, that's mine. Mine is Nature versus Nurture by Chase Petra. Yeah. Uh, I don't know it. It is about like n- not understanding who you are because of your past and like thinking about like the people who raised you and the way you grew up and what that turned you into. Yeah. And that's, it's, that's a little on the nose. I don't even know if I have to explain that that's pretty much overtly about Meg um, in these chapters. And uh, I feel like we, I've been picking a lot of songs that are mostly uh, at Apollo and I wanted to, do some Meg perspective in these my song choice this week. Slay. Mine is Pink by Waterparks. Sorry to throw off the folk vibe, um, but it's not one of their more in, like intensely like pop punk songs. I mean, it is. Everything they make is a pop punk song, yes. <laughs> but like it's not like like crazy. Um, and it just kind of talks about like becoming close with someone you weren't expecting to become close with but then the relationship ending which i was like damn exactly what happens in these chapters so um it's also a great song very catchy 
Mine's well, rock, so we're not, the genres are, we're all over the place. I'm excited, actually. What were our favorite songs this week? Favorite songs this week? Moments, uh, moments this week. Well, my favorite moments <laughs> this week were not songs, they were haikus. Um, I actually, <laughs> I dug the haikus this week. We were like kind of talking about it um, before we started recording. Um, but what really sent me, <laughs> I, I loved chapter 34. Uber's got nothing. Lyft is weak. And taxis, nah. My ride is the mom. <laughs> I was like, shut the fuck up. It was so good. Oh, I loved it. I The first time I read that part, I was like, what is going on i can't i like couldn't process what it meant for like a good two minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that it, it really sank in after but <laughs> i loved the like banter between the campers that we really haven't gotten to know because we knew them for like 10 ish chapters and then they you know got consumed by this grove so it was really like i just liked getting to know these like characters that we didn't get to like super know before the main adventure of this book start off so their banter was funny it was good they were in they also reinforced my thought that like everyone like this all of rick's books kind of have a like unintentionally he can't escape accidentally writing queer characters vibe but i don't know why every one of these characters in the trials of apollo books feels gay no you're right (laughs) (laughs) i pick up that vibe but i don't think that person because i don't know if (laughs) yeah no i agree apollo i mean it's clear um meg is a baby queer person um the way like something about it's the haircut and the red sneakers and the like the anyway and well i mean overtly the first one that comes to mind is the um the geyser spirits yeah polly and his partner pete yeah come on polly and pete they're so cute. And then, like, I'm trying to find their names. Uh, Cecil Markowitz and what was the, the um? oh, my God. I can't remember the name of the other boy that was tied up with them. I don't know. I don't know. They had, like, banter in a, that, in a way that just felt very, like. Mm, yeah. I can't find it, but it doesn't matter. What's the TikTok? Alice. With like something in the yes. water turning the fucking frogs gay. It's Ellis, Ellis and Cecil. Bruh. And then, yeah. And Kayla and Austin just like being children of Apollo is gay to begin with. Oh, yeah. I can attest. That that was my biggest thought outside the theme. So so I'm good to take a break. 
Word. Great. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right. Authority. Where do we want to go first? I feel like going like chronologically through this, these chapters is probably easiest because we really just switch settings real quickly. Yeah. Sure. So like looking at, at Meg and the Grove of Dodona and and Meg and Apollo's relationship. Wow. We still obviously talked about this last week with the like relationship with Nero, seeing how deep-seated that trauma is is really, really striking, even in these chapters still. Um yeah. The most interesting thing in these chapters about that, though, is how it turns in on her relationship with Apollo and that there's a way that Meg has decided to treat Apollo in, like, their, like, ownership thing of magic where she she leads him that feels very informed by the authority that Nero holds on her in a way that she doesn't really know how to lead another person. Yeah. And I think once kind of like Apollo criticizes like Nero, who is kind of that influence, she freaks out and is like, I can't have like, negative commentary on I had a thought and it just went away it went away so quickly I think I know where you're going in that we'll see it it seems that once Meg's perspective of like who is right and wrong and who sets the rules and is the authority on her life she kind of loses the ability to assert any of those skills or traits um in other relationships in that like she cannot be someone who has any authority in her relationship with apollo if her foundational relationship to authority has been shattered yeah yeah so she kind of she gets rid of the person that reminds her of the thing that like that Apollo is opposing, but that inherently has shaped her, if that makes sense. Like Apollo and Nero's roles are like directly at odds with each other because they have similar like positionality to her. It's weird. The positionality of Apollo is very weird. Very weird. Because he is both the like one of the utmost authorities and currently has no authority at all. Yeah. 
he is a god who is a shaper of the universe puts so, him above May. Hold, hold on what the hell was that I knocked over one of them full of ice, guys. Okay, it sounded like pots and pans. I was like, she's in a dorm. What is she cooking? No, I am in a dorm. Y'all, this room is ass. Keep talking. Um, uh, I lost track of what I was saying. We're trying real hard to be uh, smart today, but I feel like we're in much more of a silly, goofy place. Yo, so, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm so sleep deprived. <laughs> so I, I, I'm going to try to be a little less smart and lean into the, the silliness from now on, um, sure. because I think that is the energy that we're carrying throughout the rest of this episode. Um, but what I was saying was that because Apollo is the big cheese, but also the mouse at the same time. He Yo. is a god, but all, which puts him above Meg, which puts him above Nero. But he's also the lowest in this chain of command, where Nero is controlling Meg, who's controlling Apollo. Right. And that, on both ends, pulls Meg in so many directions. Exactly. Also, Meg talks, like... In, like, some of the most, like, heated moments of their conversation, like, right before she runs off, she's like, like, you don't get it. Like, I can convince him out of this. Like, I can help you. Like, I can fix this. And it's, like, a weird duality of, like, how much authority does she think she has over this person that, like, if you were in a mutually respected relationship you could think that maybe you could, you know, sway their mind on something. And I don't know if Meg actually believes that or if she's just trying to convince herself that she could have that sort of power, you know, just because like she's been with him, like around him so long and like he trusts her or something like that. Like it's like, how much does she actually believe that or how much is she just trying to convince herself that like she could have any kind of say in this relationship? It does feel like she does believe it to an extent, yeah but i don't even know if that's coming from a place of like fact or there's anything founded on that or it's just that this relationship is so manipulative and broken that that division between nero and the beast really is creates such a cognitive dissonance in meg that she almost can't function in this relationship without being explicitly told what she needs to do to earn what side of Nero. Yeah. Yeah. And I think because of that loss in that confusion in this moment with this relationship with Apollo, not only is she disaster with her relationship with Nero, she literally does not know how to address her friendship with Apollo. Right. There we go. We found the thread. We did. Yeah. I think something that is a pattern that continues with authority, I think this this is played in the, the Meg situation and then into the ants and Mermikas and then um, into camp even is that that reciprocal relationship with authority, that authority is um, 
given it is something that is attributed there is an earningness to authority you have to let someone have authority over you authority is not something that is automatic or like intrinsic right apollo is able to have authority to command the mermicas because he develops a relationship with mama or mama who, who is the authority over the rest of the mermicas and that that development of that relationship is what gives him power in the situation and then further on when he begins to kind of help lead the defense of the camp it's very different than the beginning of the book in which he seems to have really earned more respect not as a god not as like oh you're our dad you're some higher power from beyond but like as a peer that really gives him the authority to command his like fellow soldiers to put it bluntly like what to do in this situation yeah because it's it's interesting what he says in uh the third chapter we read this week about how oh where is uh Percy Jackson, where is Frank Zhang, where is Jason Grace, where is Reyna, where are any of these characters who have been leaders in this community because they're the ones who should be leading us. And then he realizes that, oh, maybe out of everyone who's here, maybe I'm the one with the most authority to lead us right now, because certainly not Chiron. No. And how he was saying, like, I'd normally say some, like, like, bullshit thing. I mean, obviously I didn't say bullshit, but, like, something of, like, like, and now it's your turn. Like, go forth, demigods, and figure this shit out. And he's like, and now I can't do that. Like, now it's actually my job to figure it out. It's an interesting, like, his higher role of, like, quote-unquote authority used to make him able to skirt fixing problems being like this is your task now like it's meant for you to do this like you have to go figure it out and now he's like oh wait i actually have to figure it out now like that was never for real you know yeah that that part really stood out to me being like oh wait there's no truth to a lot of these things that we were told there was truth till in two book series up until now and he's like yeah we kind of just say stuff sometimes and be like yeah and truth will will reveal itself to you in time and he's like that just felt so real to me yeah. in a way that i've seen authority and leadership really play out in the real world both yeah. on like microcosm scales within like student clubs in high school or college or like in businesses and places of work like I I've hardly ha- ever had managers who really know the places I've worked that much better than a- any of the employees that they manage. Or like even in a grander scale, like presidents running for election make a lot of empty promises and say a lot of vague things because that's what gives you power and authority to do things. 
but it doesn't mean that you actually have the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird because I think a healthy authority is based off of like a trusting two-way mutually beneficial like conscious agreement but then you get into like unconscious authority and like how some people can kind of take authority through like manipulating a subconscious and like uh and I think no one here in this book I can't think of a dynamic that really is that kind of healthy authority um but listen, Nero it's, is like the opposite, like like the definition of toxic authority. It's really something that kind of, yeah, I agree. I I don't know if I can think of any examples of it, but but that is the ideal of of authority that admits its knowledge is like the ideal type of leader right where it becomes a more um symbiotic yep that's like that's the that's the fantasy of representational democracy yeah It, it has never worked in the real world in practice but that foundational ideal is really what has pushed democracy forward and the the form of the republic in which we elect officials to make decisions for us is under the guise that there's transparency unfortunately that works for robots who are programmed to work specific ways humans don't work like that also not at the scale in which republics operate in the 21st century, maybe in a town of like 30 people, representational democracy could work a lot easier, but you do see a lot of issues arise when you have to navigate like town and city versus state versus national uh, representational democracy it becomes very complicated and people lie and there is a lack of transparency and it gets very muddled, but it is all a a social contract of authority that we, we all enter into. I'm snapping for those who can't see, because this isn't a visual medium. Thank God for it. Slay. Any other thoughts on authority? I want to quickly mention how Percy's entrance is seen as like, thank God, someone who knows what he's doing is here. And no hate to Percy, but there is absolutely no way to guarantee that he knows what he's doing. It was just so funny. Like, Thank God Percy's here. Now someone else can like know what they're doing. I was like, does Percy? Percy never knows what he's doing. He's just a really good problem solver. Yeah, like he'll probably he'll probably help out. But it was just so funny that like Percy Jackson, as we know him and love him, is seen as like, thank God. Like there were moments in the original series where it was like Percy entered the scene and you were like, fuck, this is about to get worse. (laughs) It was just like not seen as a good thing. So that made me laugh. 
Yeah, it is like this boy is not like a tactical genius. He's like really good at improv. <laughs> and like can move water in fun ways. Really good at improv. I can move. I mean, that's kind of that's let's let's admit that's what Percy is doing. Yeah. Long yeah. form improv. Exactly. <sighs> True. All right. Sass moments? I have mine. Polly beamed with gratitude. He tried to hug me again, but he was already 90% steam. <laughs> All I got was a humid waft of mud-scented air. Then he was gone. I don't know why that made me laugh, but it did. Just the idea of him being 90% steam. That was also that was on my list as well. I, I also thought it was funny for some reason. Just a hug from only air. It did make me laugh. It was very good. I loved every time the arrow spoke. I did too. I ate that up, especially when. So you're made from Dodona Oak, I guess. Is that why you talk? Forsooth, said the arrow. That doesn't make sense. Let's be honest. That that's. Not the context in which you say forsooth. <laughs> oh. Mine of an, another arrow quote was, I shot the cyst, promised the arrow of Dodona. Startest thou plaguey, plaguey, plaguey. The enchantment does not start plaguey, plaguey, plaguey. <laughs> that one was good too. <laughs> that one like just like really got me. Like, you know, when you hear a good joke and you just kind of repeat it in your head to yourself for a little bit. I've been thinking about that all day. (laughs) It was just something about the old timey speak was just very, and the cadence of which the air was written was just like very Monty Python. And I was really really enjoying it. Yeah, the the line plaguey, plaguey, plaguey is. Sounds very Monty Python and, and the quest for the Holy Grail. Yeah, I agree. All right. Offerings. Mamaru. <laughs> so Mama or or actually RuPaul? No, Mama the Ant, but can you put Ru in there? I'll put do Mama parentheses Ru. That's what I was picturing. <laughs> she gave mine is for Meg yeah hope she's okay she's not but hope she will be okay mine mine is gonna take a minute of explanation because mine is for what could have been at a pair, minus for Nico, because I thought, I think, not past tense, because I still think this, I think this was a missed opportunity to give Nico a parallel story beat to the way his sister died. We oh. literally talk oh. about Talos in these chapters, and I, and I just, Nico helps, obviously. I wish Nico was having a bigger role in this interaction right now. I know it's Apollo's book, but the fighting the giant automaton, giving Nico a bigger role in this moment, I think was a missed opportunity 
because I think draw that parallel was literally drawn. It was. And, and we didn't even get Nico referencing it at all. And I thought it was a missed opportunity. And so this is a, a offering for both Nico and Bianca. Um, and oh, and that missed opportunity that. and that throwback to, to Titan's Curse. I miss Bianca so much. Who we vote off? The ants did good. The ants, unfortunately, did do good. Nero's just a cunt. Yeah. So Nero. Yeah. Um, it's been a minute, so I'm voting off Peaches again because Peaches was particularly creepy in these chapters. That is true. That is- <laughs> it was like really unsettling. Something about like peaches, like just peaches being described as like rolling and going apples, peaches, watermelon, peaches. Oh, <laughs> no, it's so weird. So <laughs> it's like, I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That was really weird. It was very weird. Um, this I hate to quote RuPaul's this I hate. Oh, one of the. One of the best moments to come out of the recent RuPaul All-Stars to, uh, to quote RuPaul at the Ants. Well done, Mama. True. I hated that. I hated that. Um, If you've not seen the video of RuPaul saying, well done, Mama. <laughs> it is incredible. Please search RuPaul, well done, Mama. Now, stop! Don't listen to any of the rest of this episode. Just search, search it now. Um, my vote off is for Chiron. You definitely just weren't doing enough. I can't explain. Yeah. It. yeah. No, real. Oh, I'm. I'm just grateful that this book is bringing back the tradition of voting off Chiron as much as possible. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had the opportunity in a while. Well, with that traditional vote off for Chiron, that is all for this week. Join us next week where we'll be discussing chapters 37 through 40. Make sure to follow fuck. Make sure to follow us on social media. Make sure to follow us on social media. We are at Return to Camp on every platform that matters, and we also have a coffee account and a Redbubble store and a website, www.returntocamp.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Well done, Mama. Well done, Mama. (laughs)